Uh, we began to look at uh, a pretty important to topic, and we were looking at the idea of forgiveness and bringing good news. From Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. This bind up the brokenhearted sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to wrap them up to love, to comfort and care. The brokenhearted, who are they? The hurting. And then we touched in on the issue of forgiveness, the great importance of forgiveness. And I, what I want to do this morning, I, wanna, I wasn't going to continue on, on that thread. I was going to move into prisoners and uh, captives and the difference. And I, I will, but I want to give a, a five-minute reminder, a summary from the forgiveness series that I taught. Um, last week ended on a pretty heavy note in saying, look, forgiveness is a big issue. A lot of people who are brokenhearted are dealing with unforgiveness in their lives. They really are. It's a tough one. The good news for the brokenhearted is this. You can be set free from the effects of hurt, hurts people have brought upon you by forgiving them. Many people do not want to hear this. In fact, you can, you can almost hear doors slam. <laughs> nope, not listening. Just keep going. I'll, I'll just plug my ears until the next section. This is a huge one. This issue of forgiveness is for us. We've talked a lot about the uh, horizontal forgiveness, or sorry, the vertical forgiveness from our Heavenly Father to us. That's clear. We've pounded that one, and we need, con we need to continue teaching that. But it's the relational forgiveness that we have a hard time with because we don't want to. Sometimes it feels better not to forgive because we don't, know, we don't want to face the pain of what will happen if we do move on towards forgiveness. So let's take a look at what we've got. In this series, I covered who's the source. And I want to remind you that forgiveness begins with Jesus. You can't forgive without the power of Christ giving you the ability to do it. Well, how then do unbelievers forgive? Same power. It's the same power. The power of love. True love. How can the world, who, individuals who do not believe, how can they forgive? They just can't identify where the power of the source is from. But God is the author of this. Is that clear? That's why we see some people in the world, they forgive faster than believers do. Maybe they have less religious baggage. Who knows? We have expectations. Usually the re one of the reasons we do not forgive one another is our expectations we put on them. They should be sorry. They're not, boy, if I do that, then they get off scot-free in, in our mentality. And That's not it, but it's the game we play because if we face the problem, it may make us look in the mirror and deal with some of our own stuff. We all have stuff. So who is forgiven? And we talked about this, how God's view of sin uh, is towards us and who's forgiven, how it's forgiven, what does that mean? So that's worth going and, and at least re-listening to the series. It's on the back table if you're interested in that. Why do we need to forgive? Because it's one for our benefit and the scriptures command it. We're called to obey. Now, in a typical religious setting, which this is not, somebody could use the obey as a, as a club. You must obey. Trying to control people into doing stuff. 
That's not what the word obedience is here is to be. We've been called to forgive. Just as we have been forgiven, we forgive. So the word obedience is actually a beautiful word now. It's not the bad understanding of, of somebody in charge and having to submit uh, to an angry person. It's not about that. Instead, it's about the loving heart of a papa loving on you, already having forgiven you, and okay, you now can forgive. You, come on, I'm telling you, because it's for your good. It's for your benefit when you forgive. Where forgiveness is not. This is where I think, the, uh, to me, it's the best part best part of it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read off the 14 points uh, real quick that help you understand what forgiveness is not. And it's these points that tend to hinder us from forgiving people. It's these points that if we believe any of them will stop us from effectively forgiving because they're myths, they're lies. Let's take a look. Sometimes, you, have you ever heard forgive and forget? It's a lie. How, who, who can forget? It's not about the forgetting. I, have, I, I grew up believing that because I still remember and I've not forgotten, I've not forgiven. It's not true. For, real forgiveness has nothing to do with that. Secondly, it's not being naive or ignoring it. So you think that by ignoring it, you've forgiven. But no, that's not what forgiveness is. It's not justifying, excusing, or explaining away the offense. Well, they just didn't know any better. Well, if you knew their background, then they did what they did. And you, that's, there's no room for that. That's not what forgiveness is about. Okay? Go back and listen to the series to catch up why. Because some of these statements may shock you, but if you've heard before, you kind of have an idea, and you know my heart on this. It's not waiting for someone to apologize and repent or say, sorry, I'm waiting for them to come to me. And once they do, then I'll forgive them. Do you know how they say shake hands to kids? You force them to say, I'm sorry. They're not sorry. <laughs> really? It's called forced lying. It's very, very sad. But anyway, um, it's, it's saying you're waiting for them doesn't work. So it's not asking God to forgive them. So even to say, God, will you forgive them for what they did to me? Obviously, he has. It's your problem. You are the one that must forgive. Not God. He's already forgiven. Does that make sense? Next, it's not telling someone you've been hurt. It's like me going up to Ellen. Ellen, you really hurt me. There, I'm done. That's not it at all. That's just a, a declaration of a truth. It's the beginning pathway of discussing what forgiveness can be. All right? It's not the same thing. Uh, it's not telling the offender that you forgive them. Ha ha! Here's the tricky one. I go up to Eldon and say, Eldon, I forgive you. And darn well know in my heart I have not forgiven him at all. But I told him, so now I'm okay with everybody else. Everybody thinks I've done it. Played the game, but I harbor inside uh, uh, an anger or uh, an upsetness, an expectation. And it's all internal. So it's not the same thing. Forgiveness is from the heart. And it's between you and God. That's where I'm getting at for all this. It's not turning the other cheek to see uh, if, as if nothing ever happened. Remember, you have four cheeks. Then we have, it's not, some people think forgiveness is easy. <laughs> it is not easy. Forgiveness is not easy. In fact, it is one of the most difficult things someone can walk through, especially when you've been hurt by something brutal or by someone brutal, something done to you. It's not easy. 
I'm, I've been learning a lot lately about mental health. Uh, it's one of the most vicious, meanest things that can happen to people because we, in our culture, don't get it. We write it off and we say, well, it should be, so- well, just change your mind. You should get that fixed, you know? It's not. It's not easy. Mental health is not easy, just like forgiveness. In the same vein, it's not easy. It's a, jur- it's a journey, a long one. It's not letting the other person off the hook. Well, we'll just forget about it. I'll deal with it maybe in 20 years. That's not what forgiveness is. It's not a feeling. Feeling, a feeling is, well, I feel I've forgiven him. That's, that's nice, it's a feeling, but have you? Well, I'm not upset today. No. Forgiveness is a choice. It is a moment in time that happens and may happen again and again. Reforgiveness, it can happen. It's not a quick fix, it's a long journey. It's not, uh, not just a one time event. You may, as the members come flooding back, have a new anger burn up for stuff and against a person. You need to forgive them again. Same offense, but somehow in your mind, your journey, it could be drudged up. And lastly, it is not restoration. It does not mean you have to be friends with them again. It does not mean you have to enter into a relationship again because in the typical churchianity that I grew up in, it meant you've only forgiven and you must be together and, and be friends again. It's a lie. Not all relationships are healthy. And it may be for a time. You may need to be apart from that person for a couple of days, a week, a month, a year, or never see them again. Don't legislate what forgiveness should look like and how long it should take. You can't. This is between you and your Heavenly Father. Next. Then we talk about what forgiveness is. I just covered that just now. But forgiveness is a choice. It's also a process. I think I'll cover that in just a moment. Hindrances. There are many uh, hindrances to why we don't forgive, and I give a good list. I'm not going to get into that today. I don't have time. Um, but there are things that prevent us, attitudes that can prevent us. Your, your willingness level is huge. Forgiveness is an event and a process, process, process however you want to say it. So the, the act happens. I choose this day to forgive so-and-so of the hurt they've done to me. Done. Now you get to deal with the problem. And not until. Sometimes we go confront people and we haven't forgiven them. If you do that, you are creating a bigger mess than you can ever dream of. From the heart, forgive first. Then you can go through the process because your goal is this. It's the journey. Whether you end up restoring the relationship, that's nice, but not always possible. Again, each situation is different. But the process can take the rest of your life. It can take a few moments. Don't know your journey. Don't know the pain. Lastly, when you forgive someone, you are dancing to the rhythm of a divine heartbeat. God invented forgiveness as the only way to keep his romance with the human race alive. Lewis Meads. I think there's one more slide. Yes, it is. And I even borrowed something from Terry. Forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hate. It is the power that breaks the chains of bitterness and shackles of selfishness. Corey Ten Boom. That's pretty powerful. Forgiveness is for you. It's a gift. And when you don't forgive or hold a grudge, it's like someone drinking poison and hopes it will kill the other person. 
<laughs> That's what unforgiveness is. And I have a funny feeling over 25 years of pastoral ministry, through all the things I've read and learned, unforgiveness is probably one of the most cancerous things in the body of Christ. I really believe that because there's so many things connected to it. All right. Time to get in some good news. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted, sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, and listen, proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. Captives, what are they? Captives are those who have become enslaved through no fault of their own. That's what a captive is. A prisoner are those who are in bondage because of their own wrong choices. Prisoners are in bondage because of their own wrong choices where a captive is somebody who's been captured, no choice of their own. And we're not talking about prisoners who escape and they get captured. We're not talking about that. But the difference is really, really important. Some people put themselves into a bondage through really bad choices. You want to talk about sin mattering? Yeah, it matters when you sin. Their consequences are brutal. Sin will punish you. And you can become a prisoner and trapped in whatever it is you're constantly in. It's very possible. But you're free. You just don't realize it. You don't believe it. So what it is that you believe is what you're living out. Prisoners got caught. And the church today is filled with those who are being held in bondage and sometimes of no fault of their own. Their individuals have been hurt by outsiders. Somebody's been violated. Somebody's been hurt. Somebody's been um, taken to the cleaners robbed all in the name of Jesus. It happens. Either way, God says that in Jesus Christ, it's a pardon for everybody. The prison doors are open wide for you to walk out. You don't have to be held down by what you've done in the past. You don't have to be held down. You have been set free. Will you walk in that freedom? The gates are open but I see a lot of believers who say they're free, but they also say, I'm free to sin. And because I'm free to sin, I'm going to because it's forgiven. And do you know how mature that is? When you say things like that, you proclaim your infancy. You proclaim your child level of faith. For when you move into a young adult stage of faith, it says we've overcome the world. We've overcome those passions. We're no longer controlled by them. Grow up is what we're encouraged to do in Scripture. That's what this series is about, to be who you really are. We already covered who you are. Now it's time to put into practice. Put some legs onto this. Let's see it. For it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and don't allow yourselves to become enslaved again. Now do you want to ask that question again? Oh, I can sin because it's forgiven, so is it okay? No, it's not okay. You hurt around people around you and you hurt yourself. You know exactly what I'm talking about, I hope. You're free from that, so don't live in it. Whatever you act out, is, you're showing what you're a slave to. 
How can you live in freedom from the things that have, how can you live in freedom from the things that have held you back in the past? First of all, you walk in freedom over guilt and condemnation. If nothing else, messages from people, sometimes church, sometimes the world, they throw messages of guilt on you and condemnation and you feel terrible about yourself. But I promise you, according to Romans, there is therefore now no condemnation. No condemning. None from your heavenly Father. A voice that you may hear after doing something wrong may not be condemnation, but a convincing of the Holy Spirit saying, that is not who you are. There's a difference. The Holy Spirit convicts us not of sin, but of righteousness. And if he convicts you of sin, it's declaring that you're forgiven. Do you see the difference? But he proclaims your righteousness. And when you start to believe your righteousness, now you get the comparison of what you're doing, going, whoa, that is purely inconsistent with my identity. Walk in freedom. That means you actually have to lift your foot. Come on, next one. You have to move. Daddy's got moves. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you have to move. Sitting still. My dad is aging and, and his legs hurt. And I say, how are you doing today, Dad? Oh, then I sit here with my legs up and do nothing. Great. I jokingly said one day, well, dead people feel great. <laughs> they just sit there, <laughs> you know. You got to move the exercise, the keeping, the going. Walk out in the freedom that you have. Life is not, the Christian life is not about focusing on sin and stop sinning and oh, all that talk. It's about living the Christ life of how you've been wired and driven and passionate to dream, to do those things that will encourage others. It's agape, others-centered living. And if you could take that thought for a moment, how am I living? Am I selfish-driven? Everything's about me, my needs? This church is not meeting my needs. I get that all the time. I say, I'm not here to meet your needs. You're here to serve the body. I'm here to serve the body. This isn't about a little pity, party pooper, kitty fit. That's what that is. Oh, I'm not getting my needs met. not being fed. Folks, Jesus is your feeder. Oh, wait a minute. He's filled you up completely already. You lack nothing. Now you're equipped to serve and love one another. Are you going to let him? Walk it out. Put into action what is true. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Put into action what is already true in you. Live it out through your soul, because you believe it there, and then in your body you act out serving and loving one another. It happens here every week in multiple different categories. It happens outside of the church building all the time. Be a participant in it. Walk it out. Walk in freedom over circumstances. Yeah, but if you only knew what happened to me and who did what, and so-and-so hurt me, they really hurt my feelings. Really? Is that your focus? Look what you're looking at. Hurt. Maybe we should revisit the forgiveness part. Your circumstances do not determine your identity. Your Heavenly Father does. 
Your heavenly Father determines who you are. You rise above the circumstances. How are you doing? Well, under the circumstances, I'm pretty bad. What are you doing under there? You live above your circumstances. Your circumstances can affect you. Yes, let's be honest. We're not joy boys that when something happens, you get in a car crash. Oh, praise the Lord, I was in a crash. Hallelujah. My mom did that once. It was weird. Because she was told to praise the Lord and everything. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Freaking me out, mom. You know, because it was not real. It was a book telling her to do that. So that words have power. They do. But... In all things, we do give thanks. And when we do have our circumstances that blindside us, you cry when it's sad. You rejoice when it's great. You be real and recognize who your source is. It is your heavenly Father. Walk it out. Don't live under those circumstances. Listen to this. Ephesians 1.22 says, He has put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Even your circumstances are in subject to Christ. He's not absent from them. He walks through them with you. You're not alone. And we're here to proclaim the year of the Lord. This is really cool. Almost done. Proclaim the good news. The good news is this. It's the favorable year of the Lord. What is the favorable year of the Lord? At this jubilee year, the Israelites who had, all been, they sold, who had sold themselves into slavery were all set free. So let's say you had a huge debt. and You couldn't pay it off and you ended up selling yourself to a landowner for that time, that when the year of Jubilee came, you were automatically set free according to the Israel law. That's a good deal. If you bought land from somebody, even to pay off a debt, or, however, or because they were using it as a debt thing, that land would go back to the original owner. Everybody got the land back. So I wonder how that would work with the value. I wonder what would... <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> it meant no Israelite would ever be in permanent slavery. Isn't that good? It's really good. Nor any Israelite permanently lose their inheritance. I can see it happening today, people feeling they, like they've lost their inheritance with their Heavenly Father. One of the biggest things I hear from individuals who are wanting to come back to the Lord, whatever that means, is they want to feel Him again. And that's real. Who would bring that wish into their bodies? Holy Spirit. That willing, that wanting to be close to the Lord, the wanting to feel him, comes from Christ in them. And the more they recognize Christ in themselves, and begin to believe, they'll be able to walk in the jubilee that's theirs. The English word jubilee comes from the Hebrew word yobel, meaning a trumpet or ram's horn. And these ram's horns were blown on the Day of Atonement to announce the start of the year of a jubilee. You are not the captain of your own destiny, folks. You're not that strong. You can move forward with boldness to live out your dreams, knowing that the responsibility for fulfilling God's best in your life isn't up to you. It's his responsibility. It is the year, the favorable year of the Lord. Now, I want to show you something pretty cool. I don't think I have it in here. Okay, watch this. This is what Jesus read. Okay, I think it's in Luke. 
pretty sure. Watch this. He read this whole thing right from the scriptures, and where is it? Darn. Hang on. There's, one, there's a spot here in the vengeance of the Lord. Maybe it's in the next verse. It is. Where? There it is. Right. This is where Jesus stopped. And they were mad. Because when he got finished that sentence, and they were waiting for it, vengeance, ah, he rolled up the scroll. This has now been fulfilled in your presence. Jesus is the favorable year of the Lord. And it has not stopped. He is your favor. You are favored. You are beloved. You excite God. He sees a great future and a vision for you. He has hope for you. Imagine what could happen if you believed him. <laughs> At this, oh yeah, we covered all that. Oops. First Corinthians. That you are not your own. Then verse 20 says, you have been bought with a price. You have been made new. And if you were bought, you're free now in Christ. Because he's declared your freedom. Will you walk it out? Some of you have heard this long enough. Stop filling up with just good food. Put it into action. Let the Holy Spirit tell you how to do that because he's the only one who can. Let's pray.